awesome. Awesome. That was awesome. You guys are awesome. No, you're awesome. No, you are awesome. Sir, you are awesome. Seriously. Awesome. 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 Everything is awesome. Welcome to this week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I am your host, Kevin. This is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. This week's guest is um, someone who uh, I, I followed me on Twitter, and I was like, oh, let me see who this is, and because I vet all my Twitter followers. <laughs> and uh, I noticed that she played a character in Game of Thrones, the musical, which, uh, as we call them on the show, Team West Coast, um, Aaron, Ace, uh, friends of ours. I was like, oh, you know what? This would be a kind of a cool conversation. It's in a way I kind of know this person, <laughs> in a very, very off the wall way. So like, I would love to talk to someone that's part of this musical uh, because that's what I've been trying to square up anyway. So um, that's all we have for this. Uh, the, the, my intro this week for this guest. Please welcome to the show and thank you for doing it. Uh, hopefully I pronounce it correctly. Casey Spivy. Spivey. So close. So close. Damn, Spivey. Ah, dang. No, I should have sent you a phonetic spelling. No, that's so close. Everyone says Spivey, but it's uh, it's Spivey, like Spidey senses. Oh, my God. That's amazing. And let, so let me tell you, uh, I, you know, I've been – obviously, I followed you back, and that's how we, we hooked up the interview. And yeah. uh, I've been following, you know, your screen rant, uh, you know, retweets that you send out because you're a, a host and producer for them as well. Yes. Um, and, like – I was like, oh, this is going to be one of those ones where, you know, before we started the show, I told you I have to tame it down. Like, I have to be careful where the conversations go because it is this is going to be so much tangent material, I think. <laughs> About movies and television? Oh, Good. I oh yeah, yeah. And, like, I mean, the, I think the last one I just noticed was some, uh, from Kevin Smith uh, doing Supergirl. Yes. And, oh, God, like, that's like a marriage made in heaven for me. Oh my God. So great. You know, what's funny is I didn't know, I, I, I grew up loving movies and TV and theater and all of that. Right. Um, I grew up in a house of people who made movies. So I thought I knew what everything was until I got on board with Screen Rant and I was like, wow, there is so much more to this world than I even knew existed. I didn't even really know about Kevin Smith until I started this job. And I'm like, Okay, now I gotta watch everything he's ever made. Like, <laughs> everyone loves him so much. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> oh my god, the the phrase I didn't even know who Kevin Smith was. I almost passed out because I, I live and breathe Kevin Smith. Yeah, you do. I, I am. Um, I'm in my early thirties. Yeah. So, and and I was introduced to Kevin Smith from my my uncle when he's only he was only 15 years older than me mm-hmm. um and he introduced me to him probably in the in the mid 90s when clerks came out oh, yeah. and and I uh hated the movie <laughs> I mean I I was 10 years old probably 11 at most when oh, I watched right. it I was like yeah and I was like oh black and white movie Pff, yeah. whatever <laughs> and uh, it took me uh 2001 i think is when jay and silent bob came out and -hmm. i had seen some of his other movies but it took jay and silent bob for me to go hey this is like all connected like i know jay and bob so i went back and rewatched it and like clerks became very inspirational to me uh chasing amy is not only my favorite kevin smith movie but it is my favorite movie of all time uh it it, when i want to be sad that's the movie i watch because there's just so much emotion to it um so yeah, I am a huge Kevin Smith fan. Because it's, uh, it's and- like, I didn't really realize, you know, you like, there's like the the paranoia that like your kids are being marketed boys, you know, all the boy toys and the girls and the girls toys and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And then I just realized how much I had never been expected to know or never been introduced to like so many movies and so many you know, I mean, there there are girls that are like into, you know, that find their way into this world. But I, for I don't know, I'm like I I live and breathe on this planet, and in my whole life, I've never once been like, there's never been one person that was like, you should watch. I've never had an uncle go, Casey, uh. you would like Clerks, you know, <laughs> like. They're like, you should watch My Little Pony, you know? So I was like, I've been kept from this gold forever, and I have a chip on my shoulder about it now. But, well, uh, we, I mean, we definitely live in a, in a world now where I think it's less and less like, here's the boys and here's mm-hmm. the girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and as, like, I mean, 
I have two kids. I have a boy and a girl, and I, and I hope that they are raised to like the same things equally. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm all for like, and I plan on like when they're ten years old, I'm giving them permission to sit down and watch Clerks because I think it's it's a rite of passage, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. That's good. You're a good father. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I guess uh, there's not there's not many people that would say I'm gonna go that filthy movie where they say oh. a lot of dirty words. Let's go take my ten year old to see it. But Listen, I'll be that dad. Friends gonna show it to him anyway so you might so uh let's kind of you kind of mentioned it earlier a little bit about your origin but let's start with your your origin uh where are you from i'm from texas okay yeehaw uh is is that so so you said you you had a family that worked in the movies. They worked in the movies. Like, Texas doesn't seem like a big movie place. Oh, uh, yes. Okay, so if you know anything about movies, making, making, okay. mo- making movies, there's this thing that they do where states will give tax incentives at any given time to, like, promote their state. Like, Oklahoma did this recently. They made August Osage County, and then they were like, all right, that's the end of our tax incentives. You didn't reflect Oklahoma well. Goodbye. That kind of stuff. So... Different states will do that periodically. Right now, it's like Canada. That's not a state, but, you know, Canada has huge tax incentives and North Carolina, whatever. Texas, for a hot minute in the 90s, late 80s, had this, like, massive tax break. So that's when they started filming Dallas. That's when they they brought a ton of movies down there. Um, And my parents happened to graduate college um, at the time when that was happening and they kind of got on board. My mom more so with the movies and then she moved into TV pretty quickly. And then my dad did uh, more sports broadcasting and then eventually got, uh, made his own uh, production company and worked from home. So, um, that's kind of my, my reference of the world. So when people's parents are like doctors or teachers, I'm like, oh, awesome. What is that like? <laughs> not be making movies (laughs) so did you know from an early age that you wanted to be in be in the movie industry in some way absolutely I mean my mom would bring my brother and I to set to be extras when we didn't have a babysitter or like we were off school or something like that and I just I don't know if it was like nature or nurture really but I mean my brother's going to be a doctor so I don't think it was necessarily nurture he was like all right screw this I'm I'm out you guys are crazy um but I I remember very very early sitting in you know theaters watching like uh she she was a producer on Barney and Friends so it was a very kid friendly show and they had a they had a show in New York City on the, on the in the Radio Mu- City Music Hall, and I was like maybe three years old. And I remember going to that and going like, "Yep, this is this is what I'm gonna do." And I don't know why, but that's it's just stuck with me, and I can't I can't do anything else mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. <laughs> I I think what the most unique thing about that is is that Barney and Friends is what made you want to get into it. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, that's such a... And for me, I, I don't... Uh, Barney and Friends was on at an age where I was like, right. that's stupid. I'm into Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so like, just, just the thought of Barney, like, inspiring somebody. Like, I mean... That's funny. It is funny, and and I think as I get older, like I mean, I still like would never watch Barney or subject my kids to it, but <laughs> I I do like as I get older, start to respect more and more art forms and like and all these projects. Yeah. Say, all right, well, I mean, that's somebody's thing. Like, I <laughs> guess that could be insp- inspirational. Yeah, it's funny because um, they Barney did their pilot or whatever, and it was kind of a flop, and they were like, all right, ba ba Then somebody smart came on board and said, okay, we're gonna hire young mom producers and right when that happened my mom had just had me so she came on board and she was able she was part of a team of like these I mean this is it was kind of crazy now that I think about it because it's like I've always thought of women at the helm of you know massive tv shows and projects like as the norm and as the standard because that is my frame of reference and it, it's just like, you know, so 
I was part of the the generation of, oh, well, my kid does this. Let's put that in the show or, you know, hey, Casey, watch this or what do you think? Like I had a weird like I mean, she wasn't asking me about the show, of course, but I think just being a child at that age when they were trying to make shows for that age kids was definitely part of my like world. And yeah, it was it was cool to, you know, like. When I got a little bit older, I was reading the scripts and, you know, all that kind of stuff and, and seeing it literally go from script to screen. And my mom even wrote a couple episodes and I watched that whole process. And so now I'm like, I do it and it's so second nature to me. It doesn't seem like mm. a big deal to me. Um, whereas when I went to school for film and TV uh, production, people were like, had no idea what was going on. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> yeah, this is a green screen. Uh <laughs> well, that's, yeah, it's because I f- figured out, like, so became a fan of Clerks, you know, in, as a high schooler. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, you know, eventually, like in my mid 20s, so about mm, seven years ago, we'll say, is when I realized, like, huh, I mean, if he can do Clerks, like, let's break that down. And, like, yeah. I, I can I can probably do something and you know it's been a seven year journey of trying to figure out what that something is but uh, yeah it was I was 25 when I realized like uh, yeah. hey I'm gonna I want to work in the entertainment industry and like so far podcasting is kind of like my niche it's um, really like it's very scary when you when you think about it because it's like oh uh, you're like oh my gosh like it's a movie like ooh. Yeah. but it's very much like planning a wedding or planning an event as a like really if you want to do your own project you actually become a producer um and you just you know you're the one putting getting the props at 3 a.m you're the one doing everything and it's really stressful or whatever i i recently made my own short film and you know i i would say like I want to like look back and be like, it's not that hard. I did it. You can do it. It is that hard. It is that hard. But regardless, like you can do it, you know, like you don't, a lot of times we think our first project has to be this like masterpiece and Mm -hmm. it's not going to be, it's just not like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe Kevin Smith made that clerks for his first go around and it was great, but I bet he was messing around with stuff, little baby projects, you know, a camera here and there before he did that. I mean, I would love to know if he did or not, but I bet he did. And the clerks just happened to, you know, be a culmination of his experience plus, you know, opportunity and the right idea. And it kind of took off. But yeah, I mean, I feel like with, yeah, like these young, you know, tech giants coming out at like 19 years old, we're all like, I have to be a genius now. And I <laughs> you know. well, and that's something that like I've definitely, you know, taken from Kevin Smith by listening to some of his podcasts and, and just listening to him. Like I, I especially became a fan of his like during the during his an evening with tours and stuff and just watching them on dvd and he's you know to me he's just an excellent storyteller altogether like not necessarily a great you know an excellent writer or an excellent director he's just when he's him and he's on the mic whether it's for a podcast or for whatever like he just is an excellent storyteller and gives some awesome advice and whatnot Mm. and um yeah i mean one of the things that i've i've kind of picked up like is that that kind of mentality of like well you know yeah i'm in you know, at the time I'm 25, this is what I want to do. Let's see if it happens. And like every year something gets in the way, obviously like life. And it's, it's, I, I, the way I look at it as it's never too late. Like it doesn't like Tim Miller directed Deadpool at, I think 50 or so he's 57 years old. So, you know, and that was his first like big break in the movie industry. Right. So it's never, you know, too late to do anything. And as long as you're, you know, I guess creating as, as you know, Kevin Smith says this a lot, as long as you're doing something and being creative, like just put it out there and see what happens. Some shit's going to fall. Some shit's going to stick. Yeah. I mean, like even this, like taking, taking your resources, like my, my big thing was like, I, I kind of did my movie wrong because I said it in like Amish country and I like, who does, like (laughs) everybody told me, Casey, you're crazy. And I was like, I am not. It's Amish country. It's cheap. No, no, no. You don't have those resources. So now you have to go find Amish country in Los Angeles. What are you thinking? Like, so like, like this, like the podcast, like you take, 
you look around and you go, what are my resources? Okay, you know, I'm going to create something within these resources. And then maybe those resources grow. And I, you know, I make this thing out of these resources. And like, hopefully, you know, you get more and more resources or you make more friends who have resources mm-hmm. and you share and collaborate. Um but yeah, like doing stuff like this, like, you know, you have a computer, you have the internet, like, you know, go. Yeah. No. And that's, yeah, there's no reason not to do anything, you know, obviously podcasting way easier to do than making a movie. Hence the reason that's why I've been, I do it versus making a movie. But even that, like if, <laughs> if you, um, in my opinion, this is someone who doesn't work in the industry uh, <laughs> is, is you can find like very creative ways and inexpensive ways to at least get something made. It may not be to the level of Hollywood or, or mainstream right. Hollywood, but you can do something and like you said, build on that and, and build relationships with that. And um, yeah. something that I actually learned very recently as I, you know, write, you know, write is, you know, try to like think, I guess, as a producer and, and write within your budget instead yes. of like, right. Like, so writing an Amish movie in LA, right. maybe a little outside your budget. Yeah. Wrote that you know? in uh, school for sure. Did not write that when I, was being the producer <laughs> yeah and that's like i have like yeah like we have me and my buddy we have this like lofty project that we wrote in high school and we're like this is the one we're going to start with because it's going to be great from the beginning and obviously like 15 20 years later it's like well you know clearly we haven't made it because we don't have the resources to do it let's kind of like peel the curtain back and see what we can actually do yeah exactly and a lot of times I think people just look for proof of ability and proof of follow through. So, you know, your first project, because everyone literally is like, I have a script in my in my drawer. I have the next movie. But like in order to trust somebody that they're going to follow through on that, you look at their their body of work and it's like, OK, like Eve, I, I know Clerks was like in Sundance and stuff, but like, let's take that as an example. He did it in black and white. I doubt I mean, it might have been a creative choice, like a first the storytelling, but I bet it was because they couldn't really get the high end expensive camera that they wanted. Maybe yep. I'm guessing. Um, you would be guessing correctly, it was cheaper to film on black and white than in color. Yeah, yeah. Ex- well, yeah, exactly. So it's yeah, like, back then. Back then it was, I should say. Back then yeah. it was. It, it was it was cheaper to film on black and white, so that's why he did it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know. I, I guess if you can do something with a little bit of money and follow through with it and show people, look, I made this little two-minute project. Then your next project, people are going to be like, oh, yo, like, Kev makes stuff. Like, we should get, you know, we should get on board. I have makeup. I want to showcase my makeup stuff. I can trust that you're going to follow through on this project because a lot of times people film stuff and they never edit it. Have you Mm. ever seen that happen? Yeah, yeah, I've actually, I mean, we've never put it out there to the world, but yeah, I've actually done that, have recorded a bunch of stuff and says, just let it sit there. This is crap, I hate this, I'm never going to put it out, you know, just like, you have to just not worry about being, you're not going to be Hollywood level without the Hollywood budget, so you just got to like, embrace it, (laughs) live in it, love it, and just like, tell, I think the YouTube experience lately is proving that you don't, if your story and your content is great, then you don't necessarily have to have the Hollywood budget to prove your ability, you know? Like, there are so, how much stuff do we get from our friends shared with us that's like really crappy quality or even like a security camera caught this crazy thing happen and it's gotten 8 million views or whatever because the content is fascinating and I think if you can do that well and do do that creatively with your camera work with whatever you have I think people are going to go oh wow okay cool like I really had a good time watching that and I think that's the goal of entertainment in general and in the end and then you know when you're trying to make money off of it that's when you gotta like put the budget in (laughs) yeah it's nuts that you say that because that's literally how after like eight eight plus years of doing podcasting uh you know i finally looked at it of like you know let me just do it for me do it for you know i don't have to worry about making money let me just do what 
uh, comes easy and natural to me. And that's where like you get the most creative success, you know, just kind of, like I said, just kind of doing it, just scraping together what you can to, to make it work. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, YouTube is a great example. Like they're, I mean, God, who like they literally YouTube stars can become TV stars and movie stars and get book deals now. So right, exactly. new media is a legitimate thing now. Yes. And I mean, also tying this conversation back to why I'm here, even, you know, like in the, in the musical world, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's all become kind of fluid. This whole inner, all, all entertainment to me is entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if you take Aaron and Ace, like, so we're doing Game of Thrones the musical. Um, back at this up about, I think two years um, we did Lost the musical. So we took all, shoot, was it eight seasons of Lost? Oh my gosh. I uh, six, six seasons. Six. Wow. Oof, I'm terrible. <laughs> uh, all six seasons of Lost and put it into a, uh, a like three hour, uh, parody musical, just fun, funny, taking songs, like don't stop believing and going down, stop breathing when he's like drowning and stuff. <laughs> really funny. Right. So Aaron, came and saw that um, after being a huge fan of, uh, like, Once Upon a Time. She's fa- found her way into this show. Now, they started, I mean, the show is, like, we bought our own costumes. Like, we <laughs> just showed up at this rinky-dink theater. All we had was this, you know, I didn't do anything but act in this, but all they had was, you know, a really funny script, which you can do on your computer. And songs that already existed rewritten, like lyrics rewritten. And we had so much fun with that show. And we had actually so much success that there was actually leftover money for the show we're doing now. Now, Erin saw that show and she said, oh, my God, Stephen, how do I do this? He gave her advice and gave her the knowledge and empowerment to go, really, it's it's mostly permission. Somebody's saying... I give you, I have faith in you that you can do it because I did it. So I give you permission for yourself to go and, and fly, just soar and try to figure this out. And, and you might, you, it will not be like you think it's going to be, but it will be worth it. And she did it. And they did, um, once upon a time, the rock opera, which I believe was original music. So that was hugely successful. Then they teamed up together and went, let's just do this together for game of Thrones. And same thing, it's not people who are working on Broadway. It's not, it's like, we're all, you know, really just barely getting by in LA, just, you know, really have, you know, enough for a cup of coffee and like maybe enough to feed our meters. And we're doing this show and we're creating stuff that's really fun, really funny. Audiences love it and it's a good time and we feel, you know, creatively satisfied. And I believe they are probably going to be able to make back the money that they've spent on it. I don't know. I'm not the producer. So, but you know, it's like, it's, I think the biggest thing is like getting over the fear of it failing and just going, it's going to fail. Like if it fails, okay, I'm cool with that. I would rather it fail and have done it than, have not done it at all or not tried it, you know? And I think the more you do it, the more confidence you get, you go, oh, I can't believe I actually pulled that off. And like, no, it wasn't as great as I thought it was going to be. But like, heck, I did it. I did that. And you can go walk around with so much pride and joy going, you know what? I am. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm kind of a bad MF. Like I'm great. Like, you know, I can do, I can do whatever, you know, comes my way or whatever idea I have. I now have the, the spiritual empowerment to say, yes, I can figure out how to do that because I'm innovative and, and I can pull the resources I need and we can make it happen. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's mostly fear that people have when they don't pursue their own projects. Yeah. And and it's, I think, you know, I sat down and talked to Ace, uh, you know, almost a year ago or something. And he had very similar like sentiment when, when we, I, you know, we talked about one of the projects I was working on mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I mean it, like it's, and I'm probably stealing this from one, but like failing is, is just success training. Like yeah. it is, 
it's it's and that is, I mean obviously that's a huge thing for for anybody is is the fear but once you get over that you're right I mean it's just at least you did it and that's 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 step one yeah and you might not get over the fear but you do it anyway like you do it scared like you ask like I mean listen to, I'm sure you listen to interviews from directors like mm-hmm. everywhere even like the huge huge directors go yeah i didn't love like that's why they have director's cuts because they're like "Ah, it's still not perfect like it's still not there's all you're always going to look and see do you ever listen to the hollywood uh round tables off of Uh, the hollywood reporter every now and then yeah yeah they had a producer's round table for this upcoming oscars uh and you should definitely go and listen to it it's great but all of those producers were like yeah, no, it's never like I can't rewatch those movies because all I see is problems that I had to fix, and we like we compromised everything and every know. you know, and it's like yeah. it's just it's really nice to hear the producers talk about about how it actually happened because um, then you go, oh, cool, but you're you watch the movie as an audience member and you're like, oh, that really you know affected me or I had such a good time or whatever, and you have no idea what kind of crazy crap they went through yeah. to get that stuff and it's i don't know the joys of filmmaking <laughs> i guess um so to to kind of go back in time a little bit and uh so you grew up in the business what uh barney inspired you uh, to a degree. <laughs> yeah. uh what was like the first th- like besides being an extra you know on, on barney and and other productions that your mom took you to mm-hmm. what was like one of the things that you kind of pursued on your own what was the first thing that you did i uh was a rebel and i did theater so my um which is I'll get, I'll, I'll explain this. So <laughs> my parents, um, being people of, in the industry, you do not want the person you love to try to be an actor. You just don't. It's a, it's a, it's not anything against them. It's just, it's a really hard, heartbreaking road to go down to try to be an actor and be on camera and it's just constant you know it's just constant rejection and like you you don't have a lot of control over what you do and it's it's just a really hard path to go down so when i knew i wanted to be in uh the industry i i definitely knew i wanted to be on camera and i wanted to be in front uh for sure and my mom was like no Absolutely not. Like, I was like, Mom, can I get an agent? Let's go. Can I audition to be one of the Barney kids? She's like, no, you're going to go to school like a normal child. You're going to have a good education and, uh, and you know, you're going to be normal. And I was really like, oh, fine. Like, crazy. <laughs> um, and then my best friend at the time was going to do a theater camp. And so I was like, fine, I'm going to go do this theater camp with my friend. So we went to theater camp and, uh, and I think they had little auditions. They'd already cast all the roles, which I was like, what, how did they already cast all the roles? I, I showed up today, but they had already cast all the roles except for like this one little solo and I auditioned for that one little solo and I got it. And I was like, okay this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to be in theater. I'm going to go to Broadway. La da da. I'm going to be a star. (laughs) And, um, I, I really latched onto theater. I mean, I did a lot of like, I'd play basketball. I was a cheerleader. Like I did a lot of things. Uh, but I really, really focused on, um, I've ended up being like theater club president and we competed at nationals and the thespian society and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it's funny because I really was focusing on uh, theater, theater, theater. And meanwhile, my dad would have these cameras in the garage. And I'd be like, hey, dad, I'm having a sleepover. Can I make a video of us doing a music video? And he's like, yeah, sure. Just like, don't break it here. <laughs> <laughs> and so we would make uh, music videos. And I'm sure they're out there somewhere because I would bring DVDs for everybody. They would, my friends would come over to my house. We would play a song. I would make a music video. I would direct them. And they would go to sleep and I would stay up and edit them together. And in the morning, I would give each of them a DVD of it. Um, and I would do That's that nice. like all through high school. <laughs> and by the end of high school, you know how they have those like superlatives or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Um, mine was like most likely to be a movie director. 
and I was pissed because my <laughs> my best one of my other best friends was voted most likely to be an actress, and I was like. What? What? Um, but now I look back and I'm like, oh, of course. Like, yeah, of course. I'm. <laughs> Everyone's seeing this, but me. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So that's that's what I would. I was. I don't know. Always creative and always wanting to be kind of behind and in charge and you know, kind of envisioning everything. So so when where, when did um you know, you get to LA and pursue, you know, that side of it. So I went to college and I, um, was really a misfit in college. I think college is where a lot of people like find their place and like their friends for life and stuff. And I was really a hermit. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm either going to drop out or I'm going to graduate early. So I was like, I'm not dropping out. I'm not a quitter. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I took on a bunch of hours and I studied, uh, screenwriting, um, which was a really niche track in Oklahoma. Uh, so I studied screenwriting and I took like 20, 21 hours a semester all through, uh, like summer and everything. And I graduated in three years and yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was weird. Um, and I, on my last spring break in college, because obviously I don't have friends, um, I uh, take a trip out to Los Angeles and I asked my one teacher who had been to LA, who had worked in Los Angeles, I said, who do you know that I could, you know, get coffee with in Los Angeles? And he said, well, I have my old writing manager. The end. <laughs> and I said, great. <laughs> So I take this trip out to LA and um, I meet with as many people for coffee as I could possibly find. And this one, this one writing manager uh, ended up, I had this coffee with him and he, he's like in this like really dusty old office and he's like, you need to be at an agency. We need to get you into the mailroom at an agency. And I was like, yeah, sure do. What is that? Okay, great. Let's do it. So he set me up with this meeting at the end of the week. Um, at this talent agency, which if you don't know, this talent agencies package pretty much every um, deal that gets done in Hollywood. So they'll represent not just actors, they'll represent the directors, the writers, all of the production staff, and they'll try to staff their entire, um, the movie with everyone that is represented by their agency so that they get cuts mm -hmm. on everybody. That's kind of how it, how it works. Makes yeah, so um, at the end of the week, I had this like interview for the mailroom at this agency, and they were like, "Sure, when when can you start?" And I was like, "Um, I graduate in a month. I'll be back." And they're like, "Okay, great. Let us know." And so I like packed up my Honda and like drove out. I walked the stage, packed my Honda, drove out to Los Angeles with my dad. And um, started working in the mailroom, and uh, I actually worked in like as an assistant for uh, a couple of years. Um, I worked at like Warner Brothers. I worked for The Amazing Race. I worked. Um, I was an executive assistant. It was yeah, crazy, crazy. So I've kind of been, you know, on the other side. Um, and then while I was doing that. I would sneak out on lunch breaks and go to auditions and then, you know, finish my day job at seven and run to the theater at night and do a show and, you know, kind of try to, to do it all. Um, but yeah, but I finally, you know, now I have a job where I do everything uh, <laughs> at once. Um, so I don't have to like work 24 seven, which is great. So uh, my job now, I am the production staff and the talent <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and now I just do do that and then do theater on the side and, you know, do do some hosting and stuff. So that's now I'm I'm working on uh I finished I finished the short film that I did about 6 months ago, I think. And I went to a festival and I was like, "All right, I need a break from doing production for a second. <laughs> and now I've just written a um a series like a web series. Um, and we might get financing for it. So I might not have to pay for it. That's awesome. So, 
which is great, but that means I have to wait for the person with the money to say, yeah. okay, go. Um, so it's kind of in that like weird, like, oh, we could, this could be actually have like money behind it and we could afford things. But like now the catch is we have to wait like for permission to do so. Um, so I thought I would be filming now, but it uh, looks like that's going to be delayed for a couple months. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the, I don't know if I answered the question at all. The I, <laughs> I, I forget the question. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny. Cause there's not, it's not often that, that I get a guest that like, I think I love to talk. It's not often that I get a guest that also loves to talk. I, f- I feel like the last one I had was actually Ace. Uh, so. Me and Ace are very similar in that way. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I was just sitting here thinking. I was like, man, she's like, like one of I think four guests I've had, including Ace, that have like out talked me. I'm sorry. I'll be. No, born. it's fine. This the, epi- the This episode's all about you. No one. Get, everyone knows my story already. <laughs> Hey there, super friends, it's Kev. I'm just gonna interrupt this show for a minute or two so I can do some housekeeping. If you want to help support this show, you can do it in several different ways. One of those ways, I'll read your name on air right here. Not not just your name, but your whole review uh, by leaving a five-star review uh, or any review, really. I'll read all of them, but hopefully you're kind enough to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Just go to the, our iTunes page subscribe to the page that way you don't miss an episode and of course leave that five-star text review itunes math does a lot of good things that make more people listen to the show and that means more cool things happen to everything is awesome another way that you can support is word of mouth recommendations just tell friends to listen to everything is awesome put it on when you're carpooling together on your way to work or on your way to comic-con or whatever And the final way, this one may cost you a little bit of money, uh, but that's okay. If you go to patreon.com slash thatentertains, the other ways you help support us are just as good, free for nothing, help us. But this one, if you pledge some money to us, we'll give you some more stuff in return. You know, we... And by we, I mean Jason Ashley from Too Cool for Tabletop and I. We like to say $12 a year, bro. $1 a month uh, is really nothing to you. You skip anything for one day and that's more than a dollar uh, and that helps make uh, our dreams come true really if I'm going to be honest that's entertainment uh, which is what funds this podcast is running a patreon patreon.com slash that entertains and I mean really honestly if we could hit $25 a month of support that would be wonderful it means bills are covered for us and that's really all i want at the end of the day and everything else is just icing on the cake means we get to do more upgrades means we get to create more content and a lot of the stuff that we want to do is at least early access for you guys that pledge to us on patreon.com slash that entertains or we'll even do some exclusive content we're working on some things um now that we're thinking of for exclusive content that we'll do randomly throughout the year and whatnot so again if you want to help support this podcast go to patreon.com slash that entertains not just supporting this podcast but you're supporting that's entertainment which means that even more content besides this podcast will come at you we're talking skits sketches web series movies a whole ton of content that we have that we want to do that will eventually get done anyway but with your help we can get it done sooner if you don't want to spend any cash, I completely get it. I understand it. iTunes reviews help us tremendously, as well as word of mouth recommendations. Finally, you can also go to um, the contact page on awesomepodcast.com and subscribe to our newsletter. We're going to start sending out weekly reminders of the things that we've posted throughout the week, as well as spotlights on the guests that we've had on our podcasts. Um, And we're also going to be sending out reminders or notifications about new things that we're working on, events that we're going to be doing and whatnot. So uh, just another place to get some more detailed information. We're going to try to make it unique enough for you so that it's worth us invading your inbox. This has been more than a minute or two. So let's get back to the conversation. Um, So, so, yeah, but I mean, that sounds like the catch 22 of like finally getting people to, to help pay for your stuff is that um, you lose a certain amount of control. Yeah, it's always the case. It's funny because when I was working at Warner Brothers, I was watching my bosses go through this and I was like, because I was like, you know, I like walked into the, the, the lot like, la da da, this is where all the magic happens. Movie making is easy, la la la. <laughs> and then like, you know, it, the, the, the more money you get, 
um, like you said, the less control you have. And it was really hard to watch because uh, my, my bosses kind of go through the creative ringer of anyone who has money attached to it wants a say and they want, they, they want creative uh, input and that's all great. But, you know, sometimes you just got to let the film like Netflix, what Netflix is doing now from what I hear on the street is they, um, they just let like HBO too. They just, they go, you're a great filmmaker or you're a great producer. Go, here's money go and their projects turn out fantastically because they have so much creative freedom now they don't have as much money i also hear Mm -hmm. um as like the studios will give um but yeah i do think it's true that the more money you get the the harder it is to stay true to your artistic vision well yeah i mean and i Netflix, they don't they don't show that they don't have a lot of money because all their uh, originals are great. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I th- there's I think maybe one original I watched that I was like, eh, I could do without this. But right. like, I mean, Stranger Things, for example, it, which right. is one that I hopped on too late. Um, yeah, I actually, Aaron had to like force me. She's like, yeah, you should go watch it. Like it's genius. You're busy yeah. watching the Flash. Go watch Stranger Things. Yeah, and um, I mean it's not a show that that shows that it's not working with as much money as uh say you know a hollywood movie like it looks just as good as like you know a a genre you know 80s film uh done today but better because you let the creators you can tell you can totally tell they let the creators you know stick to their vision yeah and i think it's again i'm talking out of my league but uh, I think it's also because the money is focused on the art of of things, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of times in in the once you get into the stratosphere of millions of dollars, like you know, you got a you got an actor who wants a private jet to the play, or you want you got a, the you know, like you got the the really money that's being spent. I don't know. I'm not a top producer in that area but that's kind of what i hear is like Mm. you know that's how those movies kind of get really out of budget is when everyone goes oh there's so much money to be had we're going to have steak for dinner every night and like you know with the smaller budgets you really do have to focus it on what is in the frame you know are we gonna buy steak for everybody or are we gonna get you know the right kino like Well, and that's like you when you see indie projects versus mainstream projects. I mean that that all shows like, you know, whether you uh, you like let's we'll, we'll take Tusk for instance, the, and one of the new Kev Smith movies. Mm-hmm. Like that's a movie that's it's it's has a take, uh, and but it's it's definitely a movie that you know it doesn't have a lot of money to play with. And you can tell, like, compared to, say, Zack and Miri or something like that that had a lot more money to play with, like, you can tell that the studio doesn't get involved because they let Kev be Kev. Right. Exactly. And I think – I hope that those models with HBO and Netflix, like, taking off – even – I don't know about Amazon, but it seems like they might be doing that a little bit. But I think hopefully the executives of the world start going, oh, let's give – let's put the power back let's just find really good artists and yeah. good storytellers and just empower them and get our hands out of this pot you know hopefully yeah. and and i almost i actually had a you know a conversation earlier today with somebody where we were talking about like you know old Hollywood. basically hollywood is still kind of like old hollywood old you know mm-hmm. it's still a lot of baby boomers and gen xers which i guess i'm kind of a gen xer i'm right on that mid- cusp i'm not sure uh but you know there's a lot of like older people that are, are still running things and yeah. they're afraid to do take to do things or to take things seriously you know we the the guest i was talking to earlier we were talking about kind of like nerdum and like dungeons and dragons and mm-hmm. how a show like uh, Big Bang Theory doesn't really depict it in a way that is favorable to to us mm-hmm. geeks. It's it's you know just like the oh they're geeky guys that wear glasses and sit around and play Dungeons and Dragons and this is how it how it goes versus something like Community where it's done yeah. you know 
true to fashion stranger things same thing the way that opens is them playing D and it's yeah. it's really true to heart and um i think as like hollywood ages out and you get some more of the, these millennials in there mm-hmm. running things i think we're gonna see you know i think we're gonna see that i think we're gonna see it being given back to the creator to yeah. to you know show their vision yeah and i think that's across the board is like also filmmaking in general became way more accessible to just grassroots in general. Like, you you know, so now we have a generation of people who grew up with a, at least a home video camera. They probably tried to make something probably if they're interested in movies, you know, they probably filmed something on their iPhone once who knows, like, um, and I feel like the past generation is more maybe the, I don't know there's a generalization and I'm talking about being generalization so whatever and being ironic um I feel like they're more business minded and yeah. they're more more about the money and have less experience actually in the field of making movies and being creative and writing um whereas this generation I think even if you are more business, you might have a higher likelihood of having dabbled in something creative in your life that had to do with filmmaking if you're trying to be in the movie industry, you know? So hopefully there's more of a sensibility of, of you know, art within the business world of it. And, and you know, that too, I think, is is why we're getting more diverse um stories being told is because now you know like they they talk about women filmmaking and the very practical reason why a lot of women are not dps um or directors is because you know in the past generation the cameras are heavy and Mm -hmm. you can't really like if you can't carry the camera you can't be the assistant camera and then you can't learn like a very practical reason why women aren't carrying around cameras um but you know like because now it's so accessible or education, maybe you grew up in a part of America that didn't have a program that had a camera in it or whatever. But now that it's accessible to more people, I think we're getting more, more people with talent that have had access to this medium. Um, so they've been able to develop their skill and develop their storytelling talent. And now they're like, you put some money into them and they can create these amazing perspectives on art and it's great and i hope it continues yeah i mean i we i have a, a friend who's like huge and i mean not that i'm not i just i'm not as vocal about it but he's like huge into like hey like like more women filmmakers more women uh, heroes and stuff like that mm-hmm. and I, I mean it's it's again i think it's as as we get rid of old hollywood you know a generation that's you know coming up is a way more accepting generation uh, and I think we're going to get more and more of, I think everything's going to get better in the next, you know, decade or so. Everything's just going to be, be more diverse, more, hopefully, you know, more creator controlled, um, where we're, we're just getting that high quality content that, you know, you know, we do. And I feel like TV to a degree, you know, maybe not network TV, but I feel like AMC, I feel as a station that at least from a viewing, a viewer standpoint, seems like a station that kind of like lets the creators, um, have some, some say in what, what's actually going to happen because I, for the most part, all their content is just as good as some of the Netflix stuff that's out there. Yeah. I mean, you said you have a, you got a friend who's like really into the all female empowerment thing. I mean, like what's, I'm, I'm curious to what your perspective on it is. My own perspective. I'm, I'm 100% for it. Like I, I, uh, think that, you know, obviously there is uh, a wage gap that needs to be corrected, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't think saying, eh, you're a girl, you, you shouldn't be doing this is a good thing because, whether you're a podcaster or a filmmaker or a, you know an author or, or whatever you do to, to tell your story, mm-hmm. the the more people that are doing it, it just betters the industry. I think. Yeah. So as a, as a male, do you? I'm turning the interview around <laughs> because I'm a because I'm a female director or whatever. Do you connect to? projects like Jessica Jones or something like that like 
Do you feel alienated by those shows or do you feel like you can watch Captain Marvel and have a good time as well? Yes. A a great time. And it's probably like Jessica Jones. I loved, you know, it was um, probably like after Luke Cage, my, you know, my favorite Marvel uh, thing on Netflix, like it goes Daredevil season one, Luke Cage. And I think Mm -hmm. Jessica Jones, and I don't say that it's in, you know, it's, it's, the list that I have, it's hard to, to create because it's all so good. But yeah. Jessica Jones was, I loved it, loved Chris, uh, Kristen Ritter as, as the character. And, you know, um, I, I I can connect to it. Like, it's, it's you know, obviously probably not in, in the same way that, say, you or, you know, other females can connect to it. But, like, I... I sit there and watch that and say, like, how cool would it be to be Jessica Jones? Yeah. Um, like yeah. that's, yeah. Or, or even like how cool, I mean, obviously we have to see the movie first, but how cool is it to be uh, Captain Marvel or how cool is it to be Wonder Woman? Right. Um, you know, and, and honestly, like more so than Superman, like I'm not a huge fan of Superman. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he, he's invincible for the most part. He's, right. he's allergic to a rock. <laughs> but, but you have these other great heroes like Wonder Woman, like Jessica Jones, like Captain Marvel that that have like an actual, you know, character to them, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah. I, the, you know, the only thing I would say that's like that that beats all those out is Batman because it's Batman. But like, give me I would be. <laughs> totally cool like when they were talking about recasting batman and they're saying oh like let's get um a black guy to play batman like i'm cool like do that you know what make it make batman make bruce wayne a girl like if there's a good take who cares yeah um like like all that talk about doctor who and and tilda Mm -hmm. um uh yeah like she her being like the favorite like that's great i love it like why not hey she'd be great yeah, I, I, I give me anything to, and especially like so, you know, if you take any of these properties that we, you know, we specifically Batman and Doctor Who and and some like Superman, like these properties that have been around forever, James Bond, mm-hmm. like if you can find a way to like make it interesting yeah. in, in some way, and like obviously putting a female as a lead to any of those franchises would be a different take, and I don't think, I mean, obviously, you know, financially, I don't think it worked out for Ghostbusters, but. I don't think that was a script problem. Did you watch it? I did. And you know what? I, as far, it wasn't as good as the original, but it was, I, I enjoyed it. Like I sat there and I watched it and I said, Hey, this is a take. And like, I'm totally glad that this exists so that like my daughter can watch Ghostbusters one day and like see an all girl team. Yeah, I know. I was watching it on an airplane and I was like, I want this to be, I want this so badly to be so good. And I think it was a story. I think it was a story problem because I'm sitting here right now and I could not. I can't tell you what it was about. Like I can't. I don't. And and so, so so the problem with that, I think, is like I can't tell you any of the. I can Holtzman. That's the only character I can tell you. Um, (laughs) Kate McKinnon. Yes. Yeah. She's great. Oh my gosh! Everything she does now. Yep. And yeah, (laughs) everything she touches is pure gold. And. She, she's one of my favorite, like her and Kristen, Wait, like more com, like another thing that like is usually male dominated is comedies. And right. I think we're starting to see more and more female driven comedies with like Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. And now, um, and, and Hol- uh, no, not Holtzman. That's not her real name. Yeah. Uh, Kate McKinnon. Yeah. Like we're seeing all these, you know, I, I just, I, you know, again, I'm not as vocal about it because, you know, I just, I'm not, I'm just not that guy, right. but you, right. you know, 100% like more of it more people doing it like it doesn't it doesn't hurt anybody like it betters the whole industry that's great I think that's the biggest fear is that like if it's about a woman a man won't watch it but if it's about a man a woman will watch it with her man or whatever like that's kind of I think the misconception but like did you watch anything like Bridesmaids or anything yeah and that was funny it's great one of the okay. best movies I've seen yeah okay see that I love hearing that because that's what I hear is like guys like humor I think comedy is universal well in a way I mean you have a sense of like you have your own sense of humor but it's it's kind of you know ginger and colorblind I think so whatever your sense of humor is that's your sense of humor and like I think you can laugh at at anyone if it's if it's so if it's a good project it's a good project like no matter what it's about you know yes 100 percent it's it's I don't know it's 
again, I think that's something that eventually will it just the as the again i think we're in, in a generation of people that are coming up that are way more accepting way more uh, you know uh, inclusive and diverse than than what we currently have and i think that's starting to show i think it's starting to bleed through i hope so yeah. um so before we end the show uh and to kind of like go back to the actual interview see we went on a very long tangent that's what happens <laughs> on this show right. <laughs> uh, uh so so what hooked you up to like lost the musical and game of thrones i'm assuming because you were in lost the musical game of thrones the music musical was just an easy kind of connection in the bag um no well lost the musical um i was uh i saw i just saw an audition notice and i was kind of in a phase of of just auditioning auditioning for like literally anything i could get my hands on and i was doing all these really terrible projects and I was like this is so bad and then I saw the audition for Lost the Musical and I was like that sounds like fun that sounds great two things I love put together um and I was fortunate to play uh Claire the uh, Australian pregnant girl ah Um, yeah so um I'm pregnant in both shows (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) yeah um, so I, uh, I, we did that and we had a great time doing it. And then we've, you know, they've been saying they wanted to do another project, but they wouldn't tell us what it was. Um, and then when they announced Game of Thrones, um, it was actually scarier because they did open up the auditions. They weren't, they were like, you guys can come audition. Like, we're like, <laughs> oh, okay, great. It's cool. not in the bag, but. Not in the bag. You're not guaranteed. If we find people better than you schmucks, then we'll definitely <laughs> cast them. We just have to deal with you people. Um, so I actually, I was actually very nervous for the audition. And this round, they double cast, uh, mm. which is smart uh, because actors in L.A. tend to book things and, you know, yeah. have family emergencies and whatever and then you're screwed for your show um so they double cast and i was going to be given a call back first i was called for cersei um and i read the sides and it didn't really fit uh and then in the room they gave me i think aaron aaron race i don't remember they they gave me daenerys and i went out in the hall i read it i was like oh yeah this is it i came back in and um did the scene and it was great like it felt right and then um i left the audition i was like got it nailed it in the bag i'm great and then i got a call and they were like so can you come for a call back and i was like yes (laughs) yep i come for a call back yep can do that for sure that's what happens when my ego gets too big (laughs) um and then you know one thing led to another and i uh yeah ended up double casting the role so um, it was not like easy in the bag, but, and I'm just like really, really grateful. This is actually the first original, like we have a soundtrack with original music and thanks to, you know, Aaron and Ace and it's really cool. And I'm on the freaking cast album and it's like, Oh, awesome. Like random dream come true. Being in the original cast yeah. of something that has a soundtrack and stuff. And yeah, it's like one of the fav- my favorite characters I've ever played because I mean she's one of my favorite characters on TV in general, mm-hmm. just Daenerys because it's like she's oh my god, just incredible as a character and her arc and her story and I actually get to experience that whole transition during the show of being you know sold into slavery and then coming out in the end um, brave and courageous and you know the mother of dragons. I hope I don't spoil anything, but. Well, so it's funny because you're sitting here and I'm like, please don't go too far because I literally just started watching Game of Thrones probably about six months ago. No, where uh, are you? Oh, did I, I ruin it for you? No, no, no. I'm in season. Uh, well, not yet. I'm in season two still, and I, I haven't gone back. I actually stopped watching it a couple. Uh, like uh, my uncle passed away in in November, so oh, I stopped okay. stopped watching it then, uh, and just slowly of getting back into like a normal life of doing podcasting and and. Right whatnot still so that I, i'm eventually going to pick it up there's see the problem with with uh with that is that there's too much good tv like i'm a huge nerd when it comes to like the cw berlanti verse oh i love it right uh so i have to like find time to sit there and binge hbo game of thrones but uh yeah you didn't spoil anything. it's not like you can cook and watch it like at the same time like you would like jimmy fallon or something like you have yeah. to sit there and pay attention so yeah. it actually is a time suck <laughs> yeah and and because and especially game of thrones like 
my buddy for years told me, you gotta watch it, you gotta watch it. And I was like, all right, all right, I'll watch, I'll watch the first episode. And I fell asleep during it. I was like, this, it's not my thing. Like, you remember the, the movie with all the, the, all the walking and the trees that walked? Like, I don't, I don't like this setting. Like, it's not my thing. <laughs> right. So it's very similar. More talking. Give him that. Not as much walking, but still not my thing. It took me three additional viewings of the pilot to finally power through it and make through it and then get to episode two. And then episode three is finally what sold me. And I was like, all right, I'm a fan of this show. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is, uh, I, I'm actually like kind of jealous that I'm on the East coast and I'm not out, out there to like be able to go and, and watch the musical. Cause it's totally, it's, it seems like a lot of fun. Once upon a time, the musical was fun and I had, didn't even know about lost the musical until they on uh, their podcast interviewed, I guess, Steve and Steve. Yeah. 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 Um, so like, so yeah, you know, missed out on that. And I, you know, I, I, uh, eventually I'll just, I'm sure I can go buy it somewhere, but um, watch lost online fyi oh okay well there you go <laughs> whisper that i don't know i don't know if that's true or not <laughs> okay well we'll we'll see if it uh maybe we'll edit that out <laughs> anyway uh probably not it'll probably stay in uh so and real quick because uh, i do want to wrap up uh and and thank you for your time by the way yeah uh, but so screen rant like what, what how did that come about um, I was produce. I was story producing for Nike, like the shoes. Um, we were doing like campaigns for like you know like whatever that like advertising campaigns and stuff. And uh, I just came across this opportunity. It said um, it was like a job that doesn't exist anywhere else. Editor and producer. And I was like, mm, okay. So I looked at it, and it was like host, editor, producer. Um, and I was like, great, that's the first time I've ever seen all of my, you know, niche skill sets all in one. Um, so I literally just saw, I uh, just saw uh, the, um, the call out, you know, whatever, and not ad, but you know what I mean? Like, like the break, job breakdown yeah. or whatever. Um, and I had been doing, I, uh, I was a part of, or I am a part of this, uh, comedy group called TMI Hollywood instead of TMZ. So it's a it's like a comedy sketch thing about with a theme of like celebrity news, making fun of pop celebrity culture and the vapidness of it. And um, I six months prior had pitched to them the idea of doing a like e-news reporter spoof. So what I would do, I bought this little green screen in my room and I um, edited together this like, you know, fake stand-up version of a e-news reporter where I would do like five stories and tell basically a, a one-line joke about a news story, you know. So like uh I would edit it together and it would go in the show. And um I made enough of those um and submitted those to Screen Rant <laughs> and they were like I was like, I really love movies. I can actually be serious. Like, I, I'm not just a joke, but like, here's like kind of what you're looking for. And they were like, great. Yeah, come on. Come on board. And they hired, they only had one guy doing it. Uh, and then they were looking to expand into about five um, hosts. And so they took me on as the the first new host. So I was like, I guess the second, first girl, um, but second uh, host. And um, yeah, I've been doing it for shoot how long has it been i don't know i don't remember several months <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's either a sign of a things are going well or you're just like, really exhausted <laughs> well i uh things are going really well i really it's like a dream job for me it really is i like oh i love it it's i i get to talk about i i get to talk about what i love to talk about and all day and i get to my favorite part is, you know, doing the Twitter thing is like I found this community of people who also love um, movies and, mm -hmm. you know, talking with them on Twitter and getting their opinion and doing little polls and like seeing what people seeing what people think. And I love that. I love that. And, you know, it allows me the, the freedom too to do things like you know, a musical and uh, my own projects. And it's just great. So. Uh, I'm like, so I'm like hoping this clip gets sent to my boss. So that, uh, they keep on. <laughs> I love it so much. Please keep me. Please keep me on. <laughs> All right. Uh, so before I let you go, why don't you throw out a couple plugs where people can find you and what you're doing okay. and whatnot? Sure. Oh, you want me to? Yes. Oh, great. Okay. You don't, you don't know. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, as I said, I don't prepare. 
<laughs> um, so Game of Thrones musical, which we are plugging, obviously, is gotthemusical.com. Gotthemusical.com. You can go on and buy tickets. Um, I am performing Saturday and Sunday nights, so that's when you will see me. Friday and Saturday mornings, you will see um, lovely Mandy, who is the other Daenerys. Um, you can follow me at Hey Case, so it's H E Y underscore Case, K A C E, K A C E, um, on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, but I don't really like pictures, so whatever. Just find me on Twitter. And then uh, screenrant.com for all your movie news. Um, and what else? That's it. Yeah, I think that's it. That's when I when I got your follow, I was like, "Works for Screen Rant. This is awesome." I was like, "This is like, like, like good." Yeah. <laughs> I tend to like fo- I follow all the people who uh, like all of the Screen Rant stuff and the I guess the Game of Thrones stuff because I want to see what they like mm-hmm. and what they're posting, and I want to like it. It's really cool because they post and then I see stuff, and it's just it's awesome. So yeah, I'm glad I followed you. Yeah, and uh, so am I because I got to uh, you know I love I love conversation obviously and yeah, and um, and that's what the show's about and I uh, love hanging out and this one was great because it was a like I think the audience got a brand new conversation I don't think I said one thing that I've ever said in another episode before so oh good <laughs> so uh, all right thank you for being on the show Casey it was uh, a pleasure talking with you thanks for having me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at that nerdy Kev. You can find this show on Twitter at Real Awesome Pod. And of course, we are part of the Core Temp Arts Podcast Network at CoreTempArts.com. Uh, check out all the great shows there. For Everything Is Awesome, I'm Kev, right here on AwesomePodcast.com. We've been awesome. Everything Is Awesome is part of Core Temp Arts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, movie, and geek podcasts. Check out some of our other shows like TV Ate My Brain, Let's Chat with Revelin' Friends, and Podstalgic at CoreTempArts.com.